Hey everyone, this is the Mr. Mike Agostino, and the views expressed on this show are mine and mine alone. I do not have any affiliation with Sport Lisboa Benfica. I do not represent Sport Lisboa Benfica. I do not represent any Casas do Benfica, any supporters group, any other type of organization officially um, established within um, Sport Lisboa Benfica. These views are completely mine. They are 100% unsanctioned and 100% independent. Enjoy the show. and welcome to the very first episode one, the kickoff for the Mr. Benfica podcast. My name is Mike Agostinho, the Mr. And I am going to bring you through uh, three Benfica matches tonight through the eyes of a coach, through the eyes of the Mr. on the touchline. We're going to talk about the Lisbon Derby, the win at Alvalade, where we took, uh, where we took three points away from Sporting Club Portugal. I'm going to talk about the National Massacre at the Stadio de Luz this past weekend. 10-0 over Nacional. And at the very end, I'm going to have a quick take on yesterday's 2-1 victory in Turkey over Galatasaray. Have you ever wanted to do a podcast? I've wanted to do it for about a year. So this, this show has been about a year in the making. And it's been a lot of planning and trying to figure out a format and I finally came up with the Mr. Befica format. You're sitting there listening. Maybe you've got something you're passionate about and you want to start your own podcast. Well, let me recommend to you the Anchor app. Okay, It's very easy. You download it. Your Google Store, your iTunes, wherever you get your, your apps. Download the Google app. And it produces and publishes your podcasts for free. That's right, for free. When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record a podcast? How do I get my show into all the apps people use to listen to their podcasts? How do I make any money from my podcast? Well, the answer to every one of these questions is really quite simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it is 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with the great sponsors you want to advertise on your podcast. This means you can get paid. You can get paid to podcast the right way. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. There's no reason you can't do it. Go to Anchor now 
wherever you get your apps, download the app, and start speaking your mind. Start producing your own podcast, Anchor. Alright everybody, welcome. Again, episode 1, Mr. Benfica Podcast. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino. And we are going to talk about three matches tonight. But first, I'm going to give you a little background about where this podcast came from, where I got my, this idea, um, my inspirations, okay? So I've wanted to do a podcast for about a year, like I have said, and I've been spending the last month or two really practicing, just uh, practicing talking, recording. But um, over the course of what I wanted to do it on, uh, I have a couple ideas, and still have a couple ideas, but I knew I wanted to do one on Benfica, okay? That inspiration comes from none other than the Benfica podcast, okay? They are absolutely phenomenal. Alfredo Fumasic, uh, Cristiano Oliveira, Steve Santos, and Dave De Oliveira, okay? They've uh, been doing it a long time. They're up over, I think, 300 episodes now. I've listened to most of them. Um, love the way they they cover the team. Love the way they talk about the team. They have opinions, independent opinions, okay? And that's what we need a lot more of, especially... In regards to Portuguese soccer, okay, my influence comes from really getting absolutely garbage, absolute garbage coverage from Portuguese media in this sport, okay. Um, really frustrated. You watch a great match, whoever it may be. Maybe it's, it's Benfica Porto, maybe it's Porto Sporting, it's, you know, Benfica Sporting, Braga, Guimarães, whoever it is, okay. The game ends. You go to your Sport TV, you go to your RTP, even even our very own BTV is guilty of this. And the post game is just utter garbage. It's rubbish. There's no analysis. There's absolutely no breaking down of what happens. It takes about five seconds where they say, Bonoit, hello, good evening, and they go right to the referees. The Portuguese media only knows how to troll. Okay, now don't get me wrong, there are good journalists within that Portuguese media, and I'm sure over time you're going to hear me name drop them, okay, there are good good journalists, but oh, so much of the programming and the, the literature, it's overwhelmingly about referees, about polemica, you know, about controversy, about <laughs> the hacker, the torpedo, the, the mole, Whatever you want to call it, years ago it was We want to talk about Ustunej, the tunnel. We want to talk about vouchers, and it's just it's, it's ridiculous. Nobody breaks down the match. A country that produces so many great soccer minds, okay? A university in Portugal that produces so many coaches, okay? That apply their analytical trade elsewhere in the world, but when they're on TV in Portugal, we're going to talk about the referee. We're going to talk about the president. We're going to talk about uh, agents. And it, I, I got sick of it, okay? So what did I do? I seek better media. And when I say better media, in today's day and age, it's digital. It is podcasts. That's when about three, four years ago, I discovered the Benfica podcast. Okay, that was the first one I was exposed to. I needed somewhere to listen to talk about Benfica, okay, 
I wanted to hear Benfica covered better than I did on television, even by our own Bit TV. And I love Bit TV. Okay, I love watching the the club's network. I don't like the way they cover matches. I don't like the analysis. I don't like that it's about the referees. You got the guy, he's heated, you know, his blood pressure's boiling. We just won a game. Uh, the best example was, you know, a week ago in a, a match we're not going to discuss tonight. I'm going to talk about it later on. The first leg of the Portuguese Cup semifinal. Benfica beats Sporting. And this guy, I forget his name, I apologize. It's not Rogério Matias. It's it's not Pedro Valido. It's not it's not Elder Conduto. It's one of the other guys, okay? He just livid, face red, yelling about the referee. Yelling about robbery. And Benfica was not perfect in that match. There was plenty that could have been discussed, both positive and negative. And instead, it was all about the referee, which absolutely makes me insane. So, like I said, I discovered the Benfica podcast about three, four seasons ago. Okay? Alfredo and Cristiano, absolutely, absolutely awesome. Something I hadn't heard before in regards to soccer. Okay, I have followed them ever since. Through them, I have discovered the Three Tugash podcast. Okay, Three Tugash is basically an English uh, trio d'attaque, if you will. It's a fan of each of the big three. They discuss and they banter, and it's a whole different style, and it, it's cool for those of you that like that. Okay, and I and I enjoy that as well. Uh, without getting too much into the polemica, but they do they do hit on it, but they also can break down a soccer game, which is good. Um, and through through the Benfica podcast, I discovered le, the blog, the Portuguese blog, Literal Esquerdo. Okay, Literal Esquerdo. If you can read Portuguese, if you're a coach, I can't recommend this blog enough. Go to the blog, read their articles there. It's just fascinating, fantastic stuff. I mean, the guys there, they really put out a lot of content, okay? I even recommend that you go to their Patreon page for $1 a month and support those guys. They put out so much content. I can't tell you how much value you get for your investment there. If you want to coach this game, you know, if you want to understand the nuances and you want to understand tactics and you want to understand methods and training and styles of play, systems of play, these guys put out such good content. It is in Portuguese, but it is it is absolutely fantastic. If you can read it, go to it, www.lateralesquerdo.com, okay? It's all there. These guys also cover these games. Shortly after the big games, they usually have their kurtish up, okay, their quick quick takes. And uh, yeah, that's where I really get my, my news yeah, when it comes to the match, my analysis. I don't go to Ebola. I don't go to Record. I don't go to Ujogo, okay? It's all about VAR there. It's all about polemica. It's all about uh, the referee's grade and the referee's mistakes. So, I, I don't go there. I go to Lateral Esquerdo for my Portuguese league coverage as far as within the four lines. That So, my inspiration comes mostly from those those two, the, the, the Benfica podcast and the Lateral Esquerdo blog. When I read Lateral Esquerdo, I said, you know, this is something, why can't I do this? And 
I discovered quickly writing is very time consuming and uh, like any good Portuguese uh, husband and Portuguese father I work two jobs so I work 60 hours a week I right now cannot create <laughs> a blog content to talk about uh, about the game but I that is one of my goals going forward to basically do that but in English okay um, another favorite of mine that I've recently discovered and I discovered it through the Benfica podcast they are really the the link to all these separate projects I discovered the Benfica FEM podcast okay Benfica FEM another one it is in Portuguese but it's two guys completely independent absolutely no bias no uh, no um, how do we say it no they're not yes men um, they don't just toe the the club line they, they speak their minds they criticize when when criticism's necessary they praise when praise is necessary very very good podcast breaking down games talking about older games they have memory they, they go down memory lane they have great hosts that's a great one there's another one simply Benfica again if you understand Portuguese this is a one-man show and he is uh, and his name is escaping me and I do apologize but he is in the Azores and he just monologues for you know 45 minutes an hour talking Benfica and he, he makes great points so there's a lot of good Benfica content out there if you're not a Benfica that's okay this podcast can still be for you okay this is not just for Benfica fans okay what I decided to create was a platform on this platform excuse me was something that I didn't already see there's a lot of podcasts from fans there's a lot of podcasts uh, from a journalistic point of view I don't see any from the coach's perspective from the mister mister in Portugal is the the title given to the head coach so the head coach is o mister or as I'm using it the mister okay and um, very very little content out there um, coming from that perspective so really my background is I was a soccer coach for a good 13, 14 years. Started when I was like 16 years old coaching. And, um, you know, I coached at various levels all through, all through youth up into here in the United States, our fourth division, the PDL as it was called then. I was a staff coach for the Real Boston Rams up here in New England. And um, I was... Uh, one of the assistant coaches, like I said, for for three seasons in what was then called the PDL, now called the USL uh, League Two, the fourth division here in in the United States, very comparable, um, at least in in idea, to the under twenty three uh, Liga Revolução in Portugal going on right now, the under-23 league, because it was an under-23 league. It allowed a certain number of players over the age of 23, but the majority of the rosters were 23 and under, and I had the best coaching experience of my of my career for three seasons with the Real Boston Rams and with Boston Victory. And um, then <laughs> then life, life started to take over, and like I said, uh, became a husband and a father, and a Portuguese husband and father needs to take care of his family first and foremost. I had to take on more work uh, for pay <laughs> because uh, there's a lot of coaching out there. Uh, coaches in this country and, and probably everywhere 
are grossly underpaid, and that was the case for me. I couldn't I couldn't survive on what I was making coaching, and I had to go to work, and I had to leave coaching behind, but I've been itching to get back in, and pretty much since that moment, I have been thinking, how could I get involved again? And eventually the idea came to me to start a podcast, okay? So this is the Mr. Benfica podcast from the Touchline from the mister's perspective, I'm also going to be launching a flagship podcast next month. Keep your eyes to where you get your podcasts, okay? It's going to be called the Parking the Bus Podcast. Yep, that's right. It's Parking the Bus with a Boston accent. That's the name of the podcast. It's going to drop next month, okay? So keep your ears and eyes to uh, the platforms where you get your, your podcasts. Um, again, like I said, my name, one more time, I'm Mike Agostino. And welcome to my man cave, okay? This is where where I'll be recording on Friday nights. This show will, will be recorded typically on a Friday night when I'm finally done with my work week. When I've clocked out for the final time, I'm going to come down into my man cave here in my basement. A stone's throw away from Worcester, Massachusetts. That's where I'm located, okay? Just outside of Worcester in the town of Shrewsbury. And I am... Uh, up here in the northeast corner of the United States of America, if you're not, wherever you're listening tonight. Hello, greetings, and thank you for for giving me your time, and I hope you like the content that I, I give you. Um, we're going to get into the show now. We're going to get into the first match, which is the match against Sporting, okay? It was the Clasico, the Lisbon Derby. Back on Super Bowl Sunday, as we call it here in the United States. It was February 3rd, I believe. Sporting Benfica, round 20 of the Liga Nage. Okay. We'll start with the starting 11s first for the home side for Sporting. And Sporting went with Hanan in goal, Brun Gaspar at the right back. Center back pair was Coates and André Pinto. Jefferson was the left back. The, tr- the three in, in the middle for Sporting. Goodell holding down the, the number six-ish role with Bruno Fernandes and Wendell attacking as attacking mids. Out wide you had Nani, soon-to-be member of Orlando City, according to reports. And Nani, the Portugal international and, at least for now, the captain of Sporting. Rafinha opposite him with Baz Dost uh, playing up top as the target man. Benfica went with a, their normal 4-4-2 that they have used since Bruno Lage has been in charge. Odisseus Vlacodimus is the goalkeeper across the back. André Almeida, Ruben Dias, Jardel and Grimaldo. The double pivot in the middle of the four-man midfield, Gabriel and Andreas Samaris, the Greek international, in for the injured Feja. On the flanks, you have Pizzi down the right, Rafa down the left, and up top, Seferovic and João Felix, the uh, hottest pair of, of twin forwards, if you will, at this time in La, in the Liga Nage. Okay, both of them are really on fire right now. They've really got a chemistry that is fantastic and has been producing a lot of goals since uh, Bruno Lage has come on the scene and made them the starting tandem. 
So a little bit of background information. As you know, Benfica came into the game in second place. Five points behind Porto. Okay, Sporting trying to keep pace as Porto and Benfica will start, are starting to leave them behind. The match opens up and Goal TV, where I watched it here in the United States um, on Goal TV, they go silent at the kickoff, and this was pretty cool. They uh, The announcer says in Spanish there that he's going to go silent and let us listen to the sporting anthem sung by the fans. And while it's our rival's anthem, um, it, it was pretty. It sounded really good on TV, so I will give some credit to Gold TV for, for capturing that. Um, one minute in, Gabriel gets a... Huge tackle in the box, okay? Um, Gabriel, for me, he's a player that really, at first look, does not look like he even belongs. Um, you, he makes a lot of bad passes. There's no question. Gabriel makes a lot of bad passes, whether it's to the right, to the left, forward. But he makes a lot of good long balls, and what he doesn't get enough credit for. His positioning on the field is just impeccable. Okay, Gabriel is always on point with his positioning, and his work rate is insane. Okay, the next time you watch Benfica play after the game's over, after the emotion is done, you know, record the game, watch it after, spend ten minutes, and just keep your eyes on Gabriel and watch how much space this guy covers. Watch how hard he runs and how high, how hard he presses. He is a ball winner like we haven't seen in our midfield for quite some time. And he, you're going to see as we go through the moments and the key moments of this game, Gabriel is a is a key player, and he um, a lot of things will begin on the foot of Gabriel. So although at first look he doesn't look like like much, um, he really is an absolute. Uh, an absolute warrior on the field. In the fourth minute, Grimaldo finds himself down the left, makes a, a cross along the ground that was defended and put out for a corner by Wendell. Okay. Benfica starting well. Benfica starts on the front foot. And under Bruno Lage, that has been our MO. Under Rui Vitoria, and I'm not, the one thing I'm not going to do, just like I'm not going to sit here and talk about referees and VAR too much. I'm not going to talk about controversy. I'm not going to pour on Rui Vitoria either. I respect his his entire body of work that he put together for Benfica. He brought us two championships, completed the Tetra, something we've never done before. I'm not going to sit here like some Benfica some people some Benficistas of a that are opinionated will just sit there and pour on him every time. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, but there was a big, di there is a big difference in the way the team approaches the match, especially in the beginning. Rui Vitoria had a tough time in these big matches, and it, he took a what everyone calls a small team mentality, and it does look a bit too like that to me as well. He went in looking not to lose, and the first ten minutes were very conservative, very reserved, while the other team establishes their game under under Bruno Leisch, we're the ones establishing our game, and as you can see, on the road we're putting sporting on the ropes early in the 10th minute it, it Benfica gets on the board in the 10th minute and it begins with a giveaway in in midfield or in his defensive 
or in his middle third, but in the sporting half of the field, Bruno Bruno Fernandes passes intercepted by none other than Gabriel. Gabriel then quickly plays a beautiful ball. Okay, absolutely beautiful diagonal ball to Grimaldo going down the left flank, who crosses it. The ball looked like it hung in the air for for an eternity. I mean, that ball was was kind of floated by by Grimaldo. Um, some poor marking by Sporting, but but Seferovic rises above the Sporting defenders and really gets a lot of power to to crank back and strike that ball with his head into the goal. He beats Henan in the 10th minute, and Benfica silenced the crowd early at Alvalade, and you, all you hear is the 3,000 or so Benfica fans cheering at the other end of the field. Couldn't have imagined or asked for a better start from Benfica in that match. Um, about 10 minutes later, the camera cuts to none other than Cristiano Ronaldo in the stand. He's in the... Tribuna, as uh, Gold TV called it, in the luxury suite. Probably he was guest of the president of Sporting. He's got his whole family there, and he's taking in the Clásico. And we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk a little later too. Uh, Mama Ronaldo was in the crowd, and uh, she had some fun with the Benfica fans later on. As and if you haven't seen it on YouTube yet, YouTube it. YouTube Benfiquistas. Uh, Benfiquistas e Dolores. Just put the name Dolores and Benfiquistas. The video should come up. Uh, I'll play it for you shortly. And uh, pretty cool. As she's kind of egging them on and they're singing to her. And it, it was it was a pretty cool moment of actual fair play between the fans of, of, of opposite teams. The 22nd minute. Here's uh, this, this one had me off my feet. <laughs> In the 22nd minute, you've got João Felix has a goal reversed by the VAR, okay? It's it's the correct call. Frustrating, but it is the correct call. Why the referee did not call it, at first glance, he was standing right there. There's no way he didn't see it. He, in my opinion, lacked the confidence to make the call, decided to let play continue, and if necessary, the VAR would, would uh, make the correct decision. He takes the ball from, I believe it was Wendell, okay? Gets, he gets his hands up, and uh, he does push Wendell brings him down, okay, but he gets the ball then, and João Felix goes on a run here, with, uh, he takes it from Goodell, excuse me, and he just puts in an absolute brace, absolute brace, as he's running with the ball at speed, and he gets that thing on his left foot, he beats Hanan to the far post, uh, Benfica's going nuts, but right away, you kind of knew that this one was coming back, at least I did, I was frustrated that the referee just didn't call it. And um, it was a key moment and a frustrating moment and a testament to Benfica that they kept going. This moment didn't pull them back. It didn't uh, discourage them. It, in fact, encouraged them, even though it's still one nothing. And even we're inside of 22 minutes. Could have been 2 nothing at your rival's ground. However, Benfica keep going. In the 28th minute, we see a yellow card to PC and to Bruno Fernandes. Um, as they're the chatter back and forth, they uh, basically fouled each other. They were going at it a little bit. Uh, Sporting showing frustration. And in the 36th minute, João Felix with the goal. João Felix, another ball caused by, another goal, excuse me, caused by Benfica's pressing. Benfica has been pressing under Brunelage phenomenally. 
this team, I don't know what ha I mean, he, he's changed. You can tell um, he's very serious about training and about practice because that's what he talks about. Um, we, it is well documented. Again, I'm not going to sit here and dump on Rui Vitari, but he had a different mentality. He had a, rec a mentality of all these matches require recovery and not so much training that players need to recover to be their best at the match. And Bruno Lage takes the philosophy that to you practice how you play is the phrase we use here in America. And it, it appears and it looks obvious that Benfica are training hard because they're much fitter than they were. They're not dying and they're playing a much higher tempo. Jefferson gives the ball away. Okay, it's another giveaway. The ball is won by Gabriel. Gabriel gives it to Seferovic who plays it who plays in João Felix. And João Felix puts it in the goal. He doesn't even celebrate at first. I think he thought he was offside. Um, and the way Benfica's been treated by the VAR recently, uh, <laughs> there's whether right or wrong, um, they're almost ingrained to think that goal was going to be called back. It was not. It was, it was verified through the VAR. And Benfica are ahead 2-0. And it's kind of anticlimactic due to the it needing to be verified in the VAR. And this is... Uh, this is my issue with VAR as a fan. Of course, as a as a coach, I'd be I'd be for a hundred percent. At the end of the day, the result needs to be the just result. But as a fan, and as experiencing the match, um, the VAR takes a little bit of the excitement away because the match has to be looked at um, at a slower pace, and it has to stop. You got to look at the video and see what what the right call is. And in this case, the goal is stood. So it's 2-0 Benfica in the 36th minute. It wouldn't last long, though. Um, this time it was Benfica losing the ball here in the 42nd minute. Samadij loses the ball and then, oddly enough, doesn't foul. However, um, at first glance, it looked like he might have been fouled. The, the referee made no mention of it, made no signal. In fact, didn't check the VAR, which had me a little bit, a little bit more... Annoyed, not because the goal stood, because the goal should have stood, but the fact that at one end they went to the VAR and at the other end they didn't. But it is what it is. The ball comes to Nani. Nani plays a nice diagonal to Bruno Fernandes, who first times it into the far post, past Odysseus. Bruno Fernandes with an absolute beauty of a goal. And let me tell you, this is the Benfica podcast, but I'm going to talk about Bruno Fernandes for a minute. That kid is absolutely carrying Sporting on his back right now. Um, that's the best contratação, the best signing that Sporting has had in my recent memory. I mean, he's absolutely their best player. He's a uh, he's got the heart. He's a, he actually he actually resembles the heart of a lion when he plays. He's just up and down the pitch. A great number eight. He he's, his work rate is good, and this finish was just absolutely beautiful. So as a result, Sporting pulls one back. It's 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 two to one Benfica going into the half, and Sporting fans can believe that their team can turn it around. Um, Benfica, though, if you're a Benfiquista, and uh, as I obviously am, I still felt good going into that halftime, just like I have basically in every match that Bruno Lage has been in charge. And I wish I wish a camera could go in the locker room at, at halftime. I would. I want to see what he says at halftime because every single game, this team comes out in the second half with more
more focused, they come out better adjusted, and they go right back to the front foot at the start of the second half. Um, we start the second half, and there's a substitution, and Diaby is on for Nani, who is injured. Okay, so Nani comes off. Both teams um, are ready, but the referee's headset, it's <laughs> comical. The referee's headset isn't working, so it had been it had gone dead a little earlier too. I think in Benfica's goal, he had no, no the second goal from Jean, Jean Felix's goal that stood. I believe he had no sound in his headset, and the communication was down. And it's it's quite, quite funny. And the goal TV commentator said it in Spanish that you know, technology's great, but there's times where you wish you just, you could get back to the old ways of doing things because it was more efficient. But finally. After the long delay, we get the second half off. And right off the bat, uh, Jefferson with a needless foul on João Félix. Sporting looks frustrated, looks pressured. They they were fresh off winning the Taça da Liga, which they treated like winning the, <laughs> the UEFA Champions League, the way they've celebrated that trophy the last two years. You'd think it was uh, the UEFA Champions League. It was funny because when someone else was winning it <laughs> in past years, it was... They, their fans called it a Tasa de Cerveja, the, the beer cup. Now it's it's treated with such high regard over there on the green side of Lisbon. But anyway, a needless foul. Absolutely no reason for Jefferson to foul. João Felix setting up a free kick to be taken by by PZ. It's a set piece. PZ knocks the ball into the mixer, as they say in Britain. And Ruben Dias rises higher than anyone else. Ruben Dias heads that thing in the, the far post. Uh, it's three to one Benfica, and Alvalad is is gone silent again. And according to Goal TV, at this moment Cristiano Ronaldo left the building. That's right, Cristiano Ronaldo left the building at that moment. Um, <laughs> however, I have been told by people in the social media world that uh, they saw <laughs> they saw Cristianinho, Chris, Cristiano's little boy. <laughs> cheering for Benfica when Ruben Dias scored, so maybe there's some split loyalties in that family, but uh, Benfica are up are up 3-1, to one. we're going to fast forward to the 71st minute, Goodell gives the ball away, Rafa has it, he finds Grimaldo who who times a through ball Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading my own notes here. My my handwriting's atrocious. It's a through ball, and he plays Felix in. João Felix is in. He he wins the ball. Hanan comes out feet first. Why he came out feet first, I don't know. But he takes Felix down. João Felix winning a penalty kick for Benfica in the 75th minute. In the 71st minute, excuse me. It takes four minutes from the call. Of course, it needs to be verified in the VAR, I suppose. It takes four minutes. And finally, in the 75th minute, after Hanan sees a yellow card, which, keep that in mind, PZ steps up to the spot and makes it 4-1. to 4-1. to one. Sporting, at this point, are humiliate, uh, being humiliated in their home stadium. And um, the 3,000 or so Benfica fans are, are loud. You can hear them. Um... We'll fast forward some more as we are as we are moving towards the end of this match here. The 81st minute, Gabriel has a bad clearance and unlucky. He hits it off of Samadish. 
and it it ends up coming out to be a shot by Bruno Gaspar. The initial save is made by Vlakodimus, but uh, Bajdos tries to get on the rebound. The ball gets behind Vlakodimus. Bajdos tries to jump over him. Uh, Vlakodimus's arm is in the air, and of course Bajdos goes down. Uh, I've watched it multiple times. I suppose it is a penalty kick. I've watched this game twice now. It's a penalty kick. The arm is up there. Um, I don't like the rule that resulted in Vlakodimus. Odysseus Vlakodimus, Pumfika's goalie, being sent off. Um, because, as you know, there's the no double jeopardy rule. And what that means is when a player plays the ball in the box, if it's a penalty kick, you don't get both the penalty kick and the, and the red card. That's what they consider double jeopardy. However, because the ball was in past Vlakodimus, and he instinctively put his hand in the air, you could say to protect his face, you could say to bring down Bajdost. Nobody is in his mind, you don't know, for sure. Um, but the referee ruled that he was not playing the ball, and thus double jeopardy is not is not protected. Um, but the double jeopardy rule is not in play. It's a, it's a straight red card because there was no play in on the ball. I don't like the rule. At, initially, I didn't, I didn't agree. But on the Benfica podcast, again... <laughs> Alfredo is a licensed referee, explained it, explained it fantastically. And I guess at that point I can live with it. The penalty kick, Svilar comes on. Bazdos takes the takes the penalty kick and scores 4-2. to The game is over. Um, Benfica take the three points. And about two hours later, Porto would drop two points in Guimarães. And all of a sudden... Benfica's uh, deficit is cut to three points, and now we're starting to see Porto. We're starting to catch up. We've left the peloton, and we're catching the leader now, and it's getting exciting. A few notes on the match. Um, the man of the match is João Félix. For me, I had this. This is how I I judge the match. All Benfica goal, all four Benfica goals came from turnovers in Sporting's end due, due to Benfica's press. I think this is important. Benfica is pressing. The living daylights out of everybody right now. Um, and we'll get to it as we talk about the, the subsequent games. But Benfica's press is just brutal to up the opposition right now. Um, the goals goals are also the result of Benfica giveaways. Okay, So as well as this team is playing, there's a lot still to improve on this team. Benfica is improving, but they they have a long way to go. Which for me is very exciting because... If we're playing like this now and we're getting these results now, I can't wait to see how we're playing a month from now after another month of training with, with Bruno Lage. Um, Benfica's double pivot. What the double pivot, or double pivot if you want to say it in English, is is the two-man center mid-pairing of Samadish and, and Gabriel. And for all that, Benfica's doing well offensively. Uh, this doesn't get enough credit, but for me, especially, this was most evident in the two Vitória Guimarães games, okay, the, the league game and the Taça de Portugal game, in which they played a couple days apart, similar to what happened this past week with Sporting. Um, they played two games, you know, four days apart. That double pivot really prevents the other team from penetrating. It's It's forcing the other team to hit long balls and to... 
really get scrappy goals. We're not allowing teams to play into our end. We're protecting our two center backs, protecting our goalkeeper, which is very important. So that is Benfica's Sporting, or Sporting Benfica, I should say, as the game was in Alvalad. Um, I'm going to play a, a little sound clip for you right now. This is the Benfica fans. Let's see how YouTube describes it. I'll give you the exact the exact uh, words to search on YouTube so you can see this for yourself. Okay. <laughs> as I pause it for one moment. It's... If you type in a Dolores Edu Benfica, Dolores is, is Mama Ronaldo's name, or just type in SL Benfica Mãe de Ronaldo Festeja com os Adeptos, okay, in Portuguese, or just put in Benfica and Dolores, I think you'll find it. This is Benfica's fans when they when they spot Dolores Aveiro, Cristiano Ronaldo's mother, okay, up in the in the in the luxury box, and they're chanting, for those of you that don't speak English, they're saying, Dolores is of Benfica, or is a Benfica fan, and she is, oddly enough, is wearing a red jacket, and it's it's funny, and she actually takes it off to say no, but at the same time, she's laughing, um, sit tight for a minute, and I will get this for you. It is hilarious. Go go to YouTube. Check it out. Okay, really check it out. She's she's enjoying herself. She's having a blast. And some other woman, I'm not sure if it's one of her daughters, gets up and says, "What are you doing?" It it is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and some rare fair play between the two the fans of the two clubs. And uh, I appreciate that perf because this um, this mentality in Portugal that these rivalries are are military campaigns between the the hardcore fan groups really needs to stop. The fact that people have died over these rivalries really is is disgusting, and it's there's no place for it in football. So it's very nice to to see this kind of banter. Um, we're not going to cover the semifinal first leg tonight because I'm going to save that for when we preview the second leg. Okay, the Federação, the Feder Portuguese Federation, has put the semifinal two legs about two months apart, so I don't see the point right now, and we're going to be a little constrained due to time, because Benfica played so many games in this time frame, um, that we've got too much to cover tonight, so we're not going to, we're not going to cover that, but Benfica were 2-1 winners at home that night, uh, in the Stadio de Luz, in the first leg of the Portuguese Cup semi. Alright, and I had originally planned to talk more about this, uh, Darby. I watched the presser. Um, I watched both. I listened to both coaches. Um, extremely annoyed with the questions from the Portuguese media, as I've said, as they continue to get, they continue to try to get Bruno Lage to compare his team to Rui Vitoria's team. And Bruno Lage, the, the best statement he made was fantastic. And he said, honestly, at that time, I was so focused in my job as the Benfica B coach that I didn't have time to really follow the A-team. I have nothing to compare this Benfica A 
to to who he's Benfica A, and he said he's not gonna sit. He's not gonna compare himself to Jorge Jesus or to Rui Vitoria. I completely agree with him on that. Marcel Kaiser, the coach of Sporting, also taken I think some unfair question, uh, some unfair questions from the media about different things. And um, Sporting are in a tough place right now. People have forgotten that. <laughs> At the end of last season, half their team wanted to walk out, and several players left. A lot of players left. They're rebuilding. Their fans are very impatient. They went from euphoric over winning a, a cup, secondary cup, but a cup, to absolutely devastated for losing to their rivals. And the only thing I have to say about them to my friends that, uh, my friends and family, I'll be honest, I have family. A lot of family that, that, that prefer the green and white stripes for whatever reason. Um, thank you, Avo, for deciding that Benfica was better and for for deciding that red was better than green. I believe he told me one time, my grandfather, that that was the reason he preferred Benfica was that he preferred the color red. Whatever the reason is, um, thank you because today I'm on the right side of the rivalry. Um, I haven't been waiting 19 years or whatever it's been for a title. But the only thing I have to say about about Sporting is their obsession with Benfica is what really holds them back. They uh, they they <laughs> obsess so much that their season it, it lives and dies and breathes with whether or not they beat Benfica, finish ahead of Benfica. It, it's all about Benfica. It, there's just... Those fans have cheered their a loss because it has put another team closer to catching Benfica. So that's all I'm going to say about about that. But um, I just wanted to hit on the point that I think that the questions for these coaches were a bit absurd. Um, the there was some interviews going on outside the stadium. I saw this on YouTube. And the Sporting fans were, were just absolutely livid. And it was kind of entertaining because this guy stinks. Bruno Gaspar is not a player for Sporting. He has no place in Sporting. They're talking about everyone. They're complaining about Baj Dost. <laughs> I don't know how Baj Dost is still there. Baj Dost is the one player I think that had a legitimate reason to leave. The guy was assaulted last year by those fans. And... Uh, it's a, again, this is Mr. Benfica, so we're going to stick to that. But it, just to give you a, a perspective of how the other side of the rivalry <laughs> took the loss. Um, in closing, uh, the coverage from Goal TV, again, was fantastic. The match was great. They called it the best Clásico that they have covered in the now two almost two seasons that they have been covering Portuguese football. Please excuse my paper shuffling as I get ready to go over the next match. Okay. We're going to go over the match with against Nacional. I call it the National Massacre. A little play on words. But before we do that, why don't you do this, okay? Hit the pause button on your phone. Go into Instagram, okay? And search Mr. Benfica, one word, M-I-S-T-E-R-B-E-N-F-I-C-A, okay? Follow me on on. On Instagram, that's the only social media page I got going now. There'll be more coming, but I'm becoming fairly active there. And also follow Bruno Lage. Okay, you have to follow this guy. This he just basically launched his social media, his Instagram page, and 
it's quite entertaining because he's there's already a fake page and it took him no time to come out and say that this page is fake. He put up an Instagram story, which is quite funny. And uh, he, I'm going to give you his handle in just a moment. I believe it is just Brunelage Oficial, but I'll get that to you by the end of by the end of the match, by the end of the match, excuse me, it's it's late, it's it's 11.30 on a Friday night. By the end of the show, I will get you uh, Bruno Lige's official Instagram handle, okay? And um, at that point, we'll, I'll let you know how to find him. Really follow him, it's, it's pretty cool. He's figuring the thing out, and he's got some, some, good, uh, some good posts. But go ahead, Mr. Benfica, at Mr. Benfica. Uh, hit the like button, uh, hit the follow button, excuse me, and we're going to go into Nacional, and uh, if you haven't heard yet about this game, you must have been under a rock, this game finished 10-0, um, yes, that's right, 10-0, in a match where Shalano was being honored, but coincidentally, he was not at the match, and, um, there was some talk on Benfica FEM as to, um, we're not sure, why he was not at the match is is he all right is he healthy there's really been no um no word from him or from the family but um it was a celebration of shalana for his 60th birthday and full house at the stadio de luge uh you had over 55,000 in attendance a sellout um with about 6,000 no shows but a sellout no less and here is the lineups, starting with Benfica. You had Vlacodimos in goal. He served his one-game suspension, oddly enough. Another rule I don't understand in Portugal. Uh, he sent off in the league, and he's able to to serve the suspension in the Portuguese Cup. Makes very little sense to me, but that is uh, the way it works in Portugal. <laughs> and... Uh, so he's back in the next league match, ironically enough. So Vlacodimos in goal. Almeida down the right. Uh, center back pairing Ruben Dias. And um, the big in a, a, uh, debut for another B team, another youngster, Francisco Reis Ferreira. His real name, you and I know him as Ferro. A little background, he was slotted into the starting lineup because midweek in the Cup game that we're going to talk about later. Jardel came up with a knock. He came off with an injury, and and Fehu has replaced him. Grimaldo's on the left. I think I already said that. Andre Almeida on the right. In the midfield, Samaric and Gabriel again. Rafa in, in Pizzi. Seferovic and João Felix up front. It is the same 11 that started against Sporting, with the exception of, the, of Fehu in for Jardel. Nacional goes with Nacional goes with Martins Guimarães in goal, I believe. Looks like this is out of out of order, but you got Alves de Souza, De Freitas Filho, Rossic, Filipe Ferreira, Al Hassan, Vitor Gonçalves, Sergio Marakis, Camacho, Rajidov, and Paulo Sevic. Um, both teams playing a four-four-two. Nacional coached by Costinha, former Porto player, former Sporting 
dirigent, sporting director, um, and I'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, initially, watching starting the game, I really wanted to see him get it. I wanted to see his team get blown out. Absolutely, uh, giving who he's represented in the past. But um, by the end of the match, I have a different a different take on him. At least the way he was in this in this match. So it didn't take long. We've got Grimaldo scoring within minutes. I could go through all the goals. I'll go through them quickly. I mean, there's 10 of them. There's nothing really to analyze in this game. There's no key moments. Um, it was such a one-sided affair. Um, there's better talking points than breaking down the match the way we just did the, the derby. But I'll give you the goals. Grimaldo in the first minute. Two for Seferovic. 21st and 27th minute. In the the fourth goal, now that I'm thinking back, it, I'm gonna get this up for you. I give me once. Apologize there, I fumbled on my words a little bit. I'm fumbling through papers. This is, like I said, the first podcast. And uh, I'm working like it's 1997 here with a bunch of printouts. And the printout did not um, print any of the icons, so it's giving me minutes and not telling me what it says. So thank you to Livescore.com. So I have the, the match details right here. So again, Grimaldo in the first minute with the goal. It was a... It was a yellow card to Samaric in the 20th, okay? And then Seferovic in the 21st and 27th. We go to halftime, it's 3-0. And again, like I said, I don't know what they say at halftime, but Bruno Lage comes up with something at halftime, and he gets these guys going. He gets these guys coming out in the second half, flying every time. And it was no different on Sunday against Nacional within minutes. Again, the 50th minute, João Félix makes it 4-0. Pizzi from the spot in the 54th minute, and then it started to rain goals. Uh, the kid, Ferro, with a goal off a set piece, a, head, a beautiful header, makes it 6-0 in the 56th minute. 64th minute, Ruben Dias makes it 7-0. On comes Jonas after a lengthy absence of injury. Uh, Jonas comes on. He scores in the 85th minute to make it 8-0. A beautiful goal in the in the 88th minute um, for Rafa Silva. Uh, a nice combination play with Pizzi. And two minutes later, another goal for Jonas. Okay, 10-0 record um, that had stood for, I shouldn't say a record. It had been about 50 years since Benfica had scored 10 and thank you to Dave de Oliveira on the Benfica podcast for pointing out it was the first time Benfica had five, I believe, different Portuguese scorers. João Félix, Pizzi, Ruben Dias, Rafa Silva, and Ferro. Five different Portuguese players scoring goals for Benfica in one game. Um, absolutely. I love the way that the academy is coming along. I love the way we're starting to use our young players. During the JJ years, during the Jorge Jesus years, yes, we won. We won a lot. But it was frustrating letting guys like 
Bernard Silva especially, who is now one of the top, you know, 1% of players in the world. He's one of the best uh, midfielders in the world right now. And our coach thought he was going to, his only future was as a left back. We sold him. He never got into the A-team. Ivan Cavaledo, very little time in the A-team. Sold. Elder Costa, very little time in the A-team. These guys are all in the Premier League today. And we just saw young player after young player off offloaded, offloaded. No place for the kids in the first team under Georges Azouge. So, in retrospect, I think Rui Vitoria provided a nice transition from the JJ. Only, only top-level players. JJ comes in, he wants Pablo Aymar and Javier Saviola and players of that caliber. High-level, high-paid, expensive players. World-class, no doubt. But he did not want to work with the kids. He wanted players that were... Fetch, as he said, Ja Fetch, already made. He wanted players that were made. So, in came Rui Vitoria, who softened that. He started, he was forced to use kids. He used Lindelof. He used and launched. Um, if you remember Vitor Andrade in his first, in his, in Rui Vitoria's first official game, and I think it might have been the only time Vitor Andrade played in the first team. Um, but he launched or at least finally began using Gonzalo Guedes, okay, uh, Renato Sanchez. These were guys that were that came from the academy. It was great to see. But what we got now, now we got a guy, we got the perfect coach, okay. And I'm not just going to, yes, if you haven't noticed by now, Bruno Lage is my guy. Uh, I wanted to see this man coach this team. But I have also a strong belief, and I think this is the belief of the club, the club has invested 10 years and lots of money into the Seychelles, into the academy, okay? Going forward, for me, the head coach of Benfica can't be a Jorge Jesus type anymore. It can't be a, a Jose Mourinho type. Not somebody who's going to have no patience for kids. It has to be a coach like Bruno Leij, okay, that is going to take kids from the academy move them into the first team because if that's not there the model does not work it needs to start there and trickle all the way down bring the b team players into the first team which allows the u23 players into the b team which allows the juniors the u19s into the u23s and so forth okay and the and that model works and we're developing that way we will develop players we will sell players because it's inevitable portugal you have to sell players you're selling league but at least we're going to see them in our jersey for some time first um, at the end of the game, I wanted to talk on this, on this couple of points, okay? Um, the man of the match here was Peasy, okay? And I have a quick reaction. I know we've been at it for quite a while. The show's getting long right now. Um, I have, but I do have a quick reaction. The 10 nothing does not bother me. Listen, I know some people were offended. Um, some people thought it was unnecessary. This, ladies and gentlemen, is professional soccer. This is not American youth soccer where soccer moms, you know, call the shots. And those of you outside the United States, if you happen to be outside the United States, believe it or not, in this country, in the United States, at least here in the state of Massachusetts, coaches can be fined for winning by more than five goals. I know coaches who that has happened to. They have been fined to the point where I've ha I know that coaches have had to instruct their teams to let the other team score to 
get the margin under five goals in order to avoid a fine. That's a topic for another podcast on another day. However, the Portuguese league has tiebreakers. If Porto and Benfica are tied on the last day after all 34 matches for the title, and if the head-to-head is tied, and all the head-to-head needs to, to do to be tied is for Porto to win 1-0 when we go to the Dragão in a couple of weeks, the head-to-head will be tied 1-0 each way. Goal difference is then the, the is then the decider. We now have a 7-goal lead in the goal difference over Porto. Yes, we had to play from the first minute to the last, and... This is professional soccer. This is not a place for feelings, okay? I know the Nacional players were crushed at the end of the game. They were absolutely distraught, and understandably so. They are professionals. They felt humiliated. They felt they felt like they let they embarrassed their fans. The captain even said so in the in the quick the flash interview after the game. But um, I've been on that side as well, coaching a high school team. I have lost 10 to nothing. I I will sit here and say it. And I had maybe my most epic Facebook post that day, I remember, because my athletic director was so angry with the other team for scoring 10 goals. He looks at me, he goes, when are they going to stop? And I looked at him and I said, when we make them, when we play with a little pride, when we, we have a job to do to not let them continue to score, it's not up to them to stop playing. It is not fair to the team, it's not just to the team that's winning that they should stop playing because the other team has thrown in the towel, okay? That day, the other team had their third-string players, okay? They had players that hadn't played all season scoring goals on my players. I felt absolutely zero pity for my team. I told them after the game to, first of all, not feel pity for themselves. Nobody's going to pity them. I don't pity them. Their school might have pitied them. You know, the athletic director might have pitied them. The other team was in no way disrespectful. They did not gloat. They did not uh, taunt. They played good football all match. And they scored because these were kids that don't normally play scoring goals. Benfica scored. They continued to play because they have to score goals. The object of the game is to score goals. The object of the game is not to be kind and and to make friends with the other team. A nice gesture. Benfica fans applauded both the Nacional fans and the Nacional players at the other game. Busy with strong words of encouragement for Nacional in his flash interview. Bruno Lage in the post-game presser. Encouraging words for Nacional. These things happen. It's embarrassing. But they, they, they both, both Pizzi and Bruno Lage talked about how they can... You know, they can come together as a team over this and really go forward from it, okay? And uh, I was impressed with Costinha. Both he's took, he, both in the Flash interview and then afterwards in the press conference, he stood up there and he took the question. Again, I'm not going to s- repeat myself about the Portuguese media, but it was over and over and over. And he took it with class. He gave all the merit to Benfica, and he said... We have to go back to work, and we have to, we have to work harder and come together as a team and fix it. They, the announcer then asks him if he has the quality to continue or the conditions to continue as the manager of Nacional. I think that's a stupid question, because 
He did, he's not in control of that. He can't control whether or not he's fired. Maybe he can quit, but what kind of leader? And this is a guy who was a captain as a player. What kind of leader quits when the team is at that moment? He said he's not going to quit, and he's going to continue to work with his players, and the team is going to be better, and they're going to fight for for survival. They're going to fight to avoid relegation. I gained a bit of respect for Kostinha in the way he handled himself after the match. Another stupid question came later, and they said, what do you even say to players after after a game like that? And perfect answer from Kostinha. Those are words that are between me and my players that stayed in the locker room, in the team room, behind the closed doors. Those are not words for the press. I applaud that. Um, anyone who's coached at a, at a high level or a higher level, um, where the team start, where your teams start to travel together, where you spend time together, where you're spending daily time, you know the bonds that are made in the locker room. The locker room is sacred. I say all the time when people ask me what I miss the most about coaching, it's the locker room. It's the two, it's the hour before the match. It's the twenty minutes after. It's the you know the minutes before training. The locker room is what I miss. That is a sacred place. That is a family meeting place and what's said in there especially after a result like this needs to stay in there I know I've said twice already today that I'd love to get inside Benfica's locker room and see what 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 Bruno Leish says in there and I would love to see it but again that's not for me to know that is in-house that is sacred um, we're going to move forward from that game, okay? The 10 nothing first time in 50 years. Um, bravo to fair play for Benfica fans. This I do need to mention. Um, the full stadium. There were no all-A's when it was 10 to nothing, and we were passing circles around. There was utmost fair play towards Nacional. There were no all-A's. The Nacional fans were applauded. The Nacional players were applauded. Um, very classy from our fans and very proud moment to be a Benfiquista all the way here in the United States, but seeing that through the TV screen. And again, if you have not yet, uh, go find my Instagram page, at Mr. Benfica. All right, that's at arroba, as they say in Portuguese, M-I-S-T-E-R-B-E-N-F-I-C-A. And I apologize for my <laughs> lack of spelling ability. It's 11.50 here on the in the United States. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning for work. So uh, my functioning is starting to, to give a little. I'm going to touch very briefly on yesterday's 2-1 uh, win at Galatasaray in the round of 16 of the, U the UEFA Europa League. It is the first time... Ever, Benfica has won in Turkey. Another milestone for Bruno Lage. Bruno Lage is uh, becoming quite the celebrity um, with the Turkish media. From what I understand, they thought that they were going to be the ones to, to beat him. They thought that they were going to end Benfica's run when they heard about the 10 nothing. But it looks like he came out with a lineup that I really like. And uh, The only thing I'm going to say about this game, going in, I had one hope. And it wasn't even... For a result, um, this is the Europa League. I understand it's important, but given where we've come from and where we are right now, the focus has to be on the league. I don't want to see that jeopardized. 
I wanted to see pretty much exactly the lineup I saw in this game. I, I uh, was at my office working, and of course, kickoff, which was about 12.55 here on the East Coast, um, I pulled up a baller, and I went into their live match uh, feature um, and looked at the lineups, and I kept that up and minimized on my screen, and when my boss wasn't looking, I would you know, catch a, a glimpse. But um, the lineups, starting with... I'll start with with Galatasaray this time. Uh, they had Musetta, the captain and goalkeeper, the the uh, Uruguayan international. They're four across the back: Marianu, Luindama, Marçao, or Marcão, I should say, and Nagatomo. Across the three across the midfield for for Galatasaray, Belanda, Fernando, we who we know, uh, former Porto player. And Gumus up front, the, the the three in the attack, Onye Kuru, Diagne, and Fegoli. Okay, Fegoli would later be the goal scorer. Um, excuse me, no, the goal scorer was gonna be the was gonna be Luyendama, the the center back. Um, Benfica in their normal 4-4-2, but this was exciting for me. Vlakodimir's in goal and not Svilar. That, that's the one that might have surprised me enough. Svilar needs to play. Uh, he is rusty, but I think this is a game where, where uh, he should have played. But, again, who am I to second-guess Bruno Lage? And um, it's just showing some, some importance in this competition that Benfica want to advance. Going with the starting goalkeeper, Vlakodimir's. Okay, across the back, the right back was Korsia, the French international. That's right, French international. Um, the Bifika FEM podcast <laughs> did bring light to the fact that they think he's probably the first ever French international to play for Benfica, yet we've had him in the B team for the past uh, couple weeks, which I understand it was to get him some, some fitness and get him some match play to make him ready for this uh, Europa League run. Korsia is the right back. Ruben Dias and Fehu, again, starting as the pair in, as center backs. Left back is academy graduate Yuri Ribeiro. Okay, uh, excited to see him. Uh, the four across the midfield, you have a four-man midfield of Samaris, Florentino Luiz, Gabriel, and Krovinovic, which was an interesting... And I believe Samadish came. Yes, Samadish was a substitution. Again, I apologize. It's late and I'm printing out the wrong papers. Uh, <laughs> Salviu was the starting, was the starting outside mid, not not Samadish. Samadish plays in the middle. It makes no sense. And uh, so it was Salviu. Salviu Florentino Luiz debuting um, in the Europa League. Gabriel Krovinovic, as I said. Up front was the usual pairing of Seferovic and João Felix. Okay, Benfica score in this game. They go ahead early, and I'm going to pull up the match report now so I don't give you any more bad information, and I do apologize. Um, again, it's, it's some rookie mistakes, and this is my first podcast. Uh, and meanwhile, I'll just I'll talk about my opinion on this. Um, again... I was happy to see the the players that was rolled the squad that was rolled out by Rui Vitoria. 
This was fun. I I'll be I'll be honest. I didn't get to see much of this match. Um, my Fubo TV app, as seems to be usual, did not did not record this game on BTV. It was it re-aired on BTV, and I was recording it. I only caught the last fifteen minutes, but. Um, Going by what Elder Kundut was saying in commentary, he said that the boys played very well, that this was a great showing for the young Benfica team. And um, I believe it. To, it's not just anybody that goes into Istanbul and beats Galatasaray. Um, let me go over the lineups again as they were. So, Salvi, it's the starting lineup was Salvio, Servi, Jetson, and Florentino Luiz in midfield, okay, up front. It was João Felix and Haris Seferovic. I apologize for the misinformation. Uh, what I read to you was the team that finished the game, not the team that began the game. Um, from what I understand, a good a good showing from Florentino Luiz. Uh, Jetson needed to play. I've been worried about him. Um, he has looked lost when Rui Vitória has had to bring him on, but he needs to play. And from the bit I saw, he looked like he had some good rhythm and he was working hard. And it was very exciting to see. So we're going to fast forward real quick, real quick um, synopsis here. Real quick, There's there won't be much analysis because like I said, I didn't see the game. But I'll give you the bullet points. 27th minute, Eduardo Salvio with the goal from the penalty spot. It's ironically the third penalty kick in three games for Benfica. Uh, questionable penalty kick from the YouTube uh, highlights I saw. Um, didn't really get to to hear what was going on. the The highlights were in were in Turkish, so I really have no idea um, if that was a handball or not. It didn't appear to be, but either either way, the there's no VAR in the Europa League. Salvio scores the penalty kick. Um, Christian Lundiama ties the match in the 54th minute before Seferovic scores to win it in the 64th. It is what it is. It's the Europa League. This is a secondary tournament, especially at this stage. If we advance, we can look forward and take it more seriously. But right now, for me, I want to see the kids play in this game. This was an unprecedented uh, Benfica team using six, six homegrown players in their starting eleven. Again, hats off to Rui Vitoria. These kids need to play. Clearly the team is training well because you're bringing in a guy like Corsia who hasn't played. You're bringing in a guy like Yuri Ribeiro who the pundit said was not going to be able to be, handle the speed of the Galatasaray players. However, he appeared to handle it just fine. Um, at least good enough to get the result. The return leg is next Thursday at Stadio de Luz. Hopefully Univision will carry the game so I can record it and watch it and talk about it a little bit next week. Um, but we got two games next week, so that's what's on tap. Looking forward um, to next week, we'll talk about Monday's match at at Sportive de Zavj, and we'll wrap up this round of 32 with Galatasaray with whatever information we'll have. Um, I thank you for joining me tonight. I hope you enjoyed my uh, my long-winded analysis. We went a little long today. It won't be this long every week. I introduced myself a bit. I also want to remind you to check out, again, my Instagram, at Mr. Benfica, arroba 
Mr. Benfica, M-I-S-T-E-R-B-E-N-F-I-C-A. Also, my flagship show is coming up. Like I said, it's going to drop in a month. It's not going to be Portuguese-centric at all. It's going to be world soccer. I'm going to talk about different topics every week and less analysis, more uh, opinion, if you will. Um, that's going to be dropping March 1st, Parking the Bus podcast. Go ahead over to Instagram and find the Instagram for that. You can put in at Parking the Bus underscore soccer podcast. Okay. Spell that out Parking the Bus underscore soccer podcast. Feel free to go ahead, give me a follow, and I will follow you back. I will post stuff there, I will post links there. Um, if if you found this show, you already know how to find it. Uh, I'm working on getting this show on more, more platforms, um, shared on more, more podcast uh, apps, if you will. Um, but like I said, this podcast was a was a project that I have almost a year in the making that I've been planning and trying to figure out um let me know how you think about it hit me at, at mr benfica on on instagram instant direct message me instant message me whatever you call it go feel free to if you don't like it tell me you don't like it uh that's cool uh i promise that i am going to work at this and this is going to become um this is my my passion now i'm no longer on the touch lines but i am going to work at this and this is going to become Hopefully a show that you will look forward to every week. Again, I'm going to be recording Friday night. And what is stopping you from doing your own podcast out there? Tell me, people. All right. Uh, go to my Anchor page, okay? There will, there will be a list of archives there. As we have more episodes, they'll all be listed there. Go back and listen. I've got my demo episode up there if you want to listen to it a couple weeks ago when I was sick. But I decided I just had to record a demo to see what I sounded like. I'm going to keep it up there. I talk about some different things. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. I At the time, the, the show was called The Unnamed Soccer Podcast. I already knew it was going to be Mr. Benfica, but I didn't want to put that in there just yet. Um, I want to thank you again for joining me tonight. Uh, I hope you like the show, and I will see you next week. This is the Mr. Mr. Benfica, Mike Agustino, signing off, and I'm going to leave you with the sounds of Stadio de Luz after the 10 nothing win. Benfica, dame u 37. <laughs>
think you got a passion for, for something, follow it, okay? Do you want to start a podcast? Yes, it seemed daunting for me, but it's really not. Anyone can do it, okay? The answer is really simple. It is Anchor. I can't say it enough. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it is 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now with this ad. I really enjoyed recording this first podcast. I really enjoyed talking soccer. There's about, <laughs> you know, those are the talking soccer and watching soccer are the two things that I enjoy most. And Anchor has allowed me to to talk about what I see, allowed me to share my what I believe is unique perspective, and it is a unique perspective. I, I was glad and honored to share it with you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Anchor. We will see you or hear from you next week, okay? Stay tuned to wherever you got this this podcast. Next week, we'll be back with episode two. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Anchor. What's up, everybody? Welcome to my morning drive here. You're in the car with me as I am commuting to work this morning. It is... Tuesday morning. It is February the 19th today. And last night, Benfica were victorious on the road up north, beating the Sportivo das Aves 3 0. Um, just going to give you a quick take of what I saw yesterday, um, what I'm going to be looking for when I watch the game again. And I'm just going to. Just going to go over a few quick bullets that I noticed and um, what I'm taking away from this match. As we look forward now to the second leg of the Europa League round of 32 with Galatasaray coming up on Thursday. Um, goals came from Seferovic once again. 14 goals now on the season. Joint leader, uh, joint top goal scorer in the Liga Nage. Another goal from Rafa who ended up being named the man of the match. And another goal from Ferru. Ferru is maybe the the hot take, the hot topic of the match at both ends of the field, both good and bad. I'm sure we're going to get into depth. Um, we're going to get in depth regarding Ferru uh, later on this week when I drop episode two of the Mister Benfica podcast. I'll be recording that Friday night, and you can find it where you find podcasts on early Saturday morning. Great news in regards to distribution. Just uh, in the last couple days, we have been picked up by Stitcher and by iTunes. So Mr. Benfica is now available on Stitcher and iTunes in addition to all the platforms we were available on before. So that's exciting news for me. Um, I'm excited to continue to create this content for everyone. Um, Yesterday was um, a solid Benfica performance. It wasn't it wasn't by any means a lights-out performance, but it was very solid. It was the necessary three points that were mandatory absolute, at this point. Got to continue to get three points in each match leading into um, next week's home game with Chaves and then the following Sunday at the Dragão, where uh, hopefully after these two matches we can be looking up 
with Benfica in first place in the Liga Nage. Uh, right now, Benfica closed the gap back to one point with last night's victory. Uh, a good game for everybody overall. Again, not not a spectacular game, but um, anytime you you go on the road and you leave with a three nil result, it's uh, it's positive. And the team stuck with the four four two that that double double pivot the the double center mid there of Samadij and Gabriel protecting the back line again uh clean sheet is always important um one thing that if there's one thing that's really been concerning me about Benfica of late it's been the amount of goals given up so I'm very happy to see a clean sheet yesterday we needed that um we're gonna have a few guys missing the next game at Shavs. We'll talk about that later this week. Uh, I have some ideas of I, what I think Bruno Lage might do. Uh, we're gonna see a few, a few new, or uh, we're gonna see at least a new right back because Andre Almeida picked up his fifth yellow card. Looked like he did it on purpose to ensure that he is available for the Porto match. Um, and again, like I said, we're getting ready for the second leg of the UEFA Europa League. Round of 32. I'm hoping Bruno Lage puts the kids out there again, win or lose. I would run with them at this stage of the competition. There's a lot. We got a lot of games. We got heavy, heavy fixture congestion right now. Playing every Monday and Wednesday, every Monday and Thursday. And uh, from a fan perspective, it's it's not so much fun because uh, I prefer games on the weekends. But we're gonna be playing during the week for a bit, and then, like I said. Uh, Sunday, March the 3rd right now is the date for the the away fixture at the Stadio do Dragão against Football Club do Porto when uh, first take on second. Hopefully we can overcome them and go into first place. But we got a lot of work still to do and the coach has said that it's it's obvious that every game is different and I do like the way the team has changed when needed each game and they've evolved and they have to continue to keep reinventing themselves that's how they're going to continue to get results because if they start to just do the same thing every game teams are going to start to adjust and it's going to become harder but uh very interested to see what what we get on thursday uh we saw a few more minutes from jonas yesterday he looks like he's uh in his recovery and making his way back i sure hope seferovic continues to be the starting forward. I don't want to see a change made there. He is scoring goals. He scored, I think, every game now that Bruno Lage has put him on the field in the league. He has scored. Um, I want to see him continue to start. I prefer at this stage to see Jonas come off the bench. I don't want to see him start a game because I don't believe he's got he's got 90 minutes in him and then you're guaranteeing that you're going to have to use a substitution on him. I'd rather bring him in late if needed. Um, I also want to keep him healthy in the event something happens to Seferovic going forward. He's the We've only got one spare forward right now. You know, we got three forwards and we play with two. So I would hate um, to, to put Jonas in unnecessary risk at this point on his way back. I'd rather get a less informed Jonas when he's needed than to force the issue and, and have an, an injured Jonas again. Um, uh, red card, as we said, for Fehu yesterday, so Bruno Lage will have to make a decision about the center-back pairing in the next match at Shabsh. Um, I've got some thoughts on what I think it's going to be. 
tune in this weekend, and I'll, I will, I will touch on that for sure. Uh, just finished actually listening in full to episode one. Thank you to everyone that that uh, that got through that whole episode. Um, uh, I feel I should have been subbed off around the forty-five minute mark, uh, and I went a little long, and that should serve as a lesson. But um, we'll we'll have a better show this weekend. I don't doubt it. Um, I do appreciate all the support I have received the past three, four days. It's been unbelievable. I never imagined to be sitting here on a Tuesday morning after after publishing the episode late Friday night, early Saturday morning with 48 plays at this point. Um, I did not expect that, so I am blown away. Thank you, everybody, that has taken the time to listen to it. I... Thank you to everybody who's taken the time to give me some feedback. I've had some real great feedback. I will talk about that as well this week. I will uh, shout out some of my some of the people who have made some real good suggestions and some good feedback. I will name drop some of our listeners and uh, stay tuned to see to see who uh, I'm talking about. I've gotten some good advice as well. Also spoken or messaged some other podcasters out there, so it's re- there's been a good exchange of information going on. Really excited to get this project going, and uh, no doubt to the the absolute uh, fandom that Big Fikistas have, we are a different breed. There's a different element to our fandom, and that was made evident to me just in the in the um, sharing of this pod, this first episode of this podcast. Uh, just want more. We want more. Especially right now, things are flying. The team is playing well. Everybody wants to talk about this team right now. And why wouldn't you? They're playing some great football. They are working. And they're a team that finally, they have an idea of what they want to do on the field. For the majority of this season, before January, before the coaching change, there was a... A lack of an identity. There was no identity. There was a team that was on the field. Players that weren't either weren't sure what they were supposed to do or weren't sure what they were allowed to do. I think there was some restrictive coaching going on before. I think that's why now you're seeing players play a lot more freely. They have more freedom, and um, they're also working very hard. This team is working very hard. Clearly, they train hard because they could not play at this at this. At this rhythm, at this tempo that they've been playing at if they weren't training hard. So I really, really enjoy what I'm seeing. Um, João Felix continues to do, show some intelligence way beyond his years on the field. Even on a game where he was less spectacular, he's just he still does simple things very, very well. And he's very intelligent, has great vision. And uh, I'm loving the evolution of, of Rafa. I mean, uh, like I said, he was the man of the match yesterday. And I it just... I have a sense of finally when I see this. I mean, when we picked him up a couple seasons ago, when, when Rafa was brought in, purchased from, from Sporting Braga, this was what I was hoping for. It took some time to get him to this level. He had to wait his opportunity. Um... He's now in a system, I think, that is made perfectly for his game. He's the perfect um, outside wing slash outside midfielder in a 4-4-2. He's got speed. He, he gets back defensively. 
he, he helps the team transition from defense to offense because he gets back and he carries the ball forward to get us out of danger sometimes. PZ is also showing he's a much better player on the outside of the midfield as opposed to dead center. Um, he is, while he's lining up as a right midfielder, he's, he finds his way into the middle plenty. And he does leave plenty of overlapping space for Andre Almeida. And he's showing more of the level of player he truly is. As opposed to when we were asking him to be the box-to-box number 8 player. He uh, doesn't have the lungs for that. He's he's really not built to, to play that position. This is more, you know, the PZ that, that we... Uh, we hope for the one we got to see a few a few seasons back when um, when JJ first launched him and moved him outside when um, Renato Sanchez broke into the first team. All right, that so it's great to see that again. Seferovic was almost out of this team in the preseason. In fact, he was given as a certainty to leave. It didn't happen. Fortunately for us, it didn't happen because he is—he's now—he is the top scorer in the league because he has fewer minutes played than Diego Souza and Baz Dost. He also is the only one of the three with 14 goals to have all 14 goals from open play. Um, so I'm just excited to see where this team's going to go next. Like I said, we got some adjustments that will have to be made in the next game at Shavja. Also, again, very interested to see what's coming up Thursday against Galatasaray. Drop me a message on, uh, I've got a Facebook page up now, Mr. Benfica on Facebook, two words, Mr. Benfica, just search it, find it, drop me a message, drop me your questions, I'll, I'll uh, hit on them on the air on Friday night when I record the podcast, also find me on Instagram, at Mr. Benfica, one word, M-I-S-T-E-R-B-E-N-F-I-C-A. That's it for right now, everyone, um, just wanted to give you a quick reaction, I'm excited, I like what I see. And I'm looking forward to the next match. Each game that ends, I just can't wait for the next one. And that, that's when you really know a team is playing well, when you just can't wait for that next match. So I'll catch you guys this weekend. Thank you for dropping in. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Go Befica. Damu Trinti Set. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica
vizinho Sinto o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho Vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega Benfica, carrega Benfica Ouve a nossa voz 